Good morning, everyone. Welcome to ICF Rome online. And for those who will eventually be on campus, this is Pastor Jennifer Pasquale. And I'm excited for this season that is upon us. You know, we're celebrating Jesus. We're thankful for everything that he's done for your life, even if you don't know it yet. So as you enter into this service today, I encourage you to lean into the worship, to stand up if you can and praise your, raise your hands and praise the Lord because God is faithful. He has a word for you today. I am believing for a miracle in your life. It's in motion. You joined us online today and God has ordered your steps. God has a word for you. And as you lean into his presence, I know that your heart and your mind is going to be lifted, healed, restored, rejuvenated. I'm so thankful that you are joining with us today. Glad to see all of your smiling faces here in the house of the Lord today. Good morning to our online campus as well. Uh, those watching online. Uh, my family's watching with us online today. Uh, so, so everybody say hello to Holly and Paisley and Mark. My wife Holly and I have been married for uh, 16 years and we've got two kids. Paisley is 13 and Mark is 11 and they send their greetings. They weren't able to be with me here today, uh, but they are, they're joining us online and they're praying with us for, uh, for the word of God and, and for you this morning. So uh, we're part of a we're part of a big God story, amen. We're part of a big God story that goes all around the world, um, and we are glad to be a part of that story. Just a little brief introduction of where my family and I fit in the story of the church and what God's doing around the world right now. Uh, as Pastor Jen said, we are missionaries, and we what we love to do is we love to start new churches in international communities. So we've been doing this for a few years. Uh, we started a, a new church in the international community north of Boston in uh, the United States. And now here we are. Uh, we've been here for seven months now in Italy, in the city of Geneva. And we are starting a new international Christian fellowship in that city. So be in prayer with us over the coming months and the, co the coming years, really, uh, for this effort to start a new church plant among the international community of Geneva, Italy. Will you commit to, to praying with us for that? Thank you. Oh, you can do that. Who's going to, we need a lot of prayer in Geneva. Who's going to pray with us about the International Church of Geneva? There you go. That's a lot better. Well, let's turn to the Word of God today. We're going to be, our, our main passage is going to be in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22, and we'll start in verse 1. Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that it would, uh, as always, not return void, but that it would go forth piercing to our, our heart. And Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts, speak to us, and change our lives through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're talking about the God who provides. Our theme here at ICF Geneva for the month. I, we're not Geneva. We're Rome. Wow. My, uh, where am I today? Can we start the online campus over? No. Man, this guy doesn't even know where he is. Our theme here at ICF Rome for the month of November is the God who provides. What does it mean that God is our provider? 
I want us to sit with that question for a little bit here today. What does it, how do we understand God as our provider? And one of the things that we can do with scripture in order to understand a principle is called the principle of first mention. The principle of first mention. What this means is, is that when God wants us to understand something, the, the ancient Hebrews, as they were, were talking about words or concepts, and, and the, the Hebrews, these were the, the people of God in the, the Old Testament, they would refer back to the very first time that God used a word in Scripture to understand the rest of the time that God was using that word or that concept. So what does faith mean? Well, let's look back at the beginning and say, how does God define faith? Right? So this is called the principle of first mention. And so if we want to look at the first mention of the God who provides, God being the provider in Scripture, we find that in Genesis chapter 22. Let's read the story. After these things, now these things were, uh, God made a covenant with Abraham, promised him that he would make a great nation out of his descendants. The problem was Abraham was 100 years old. Now even then, that was very late in life to be having children. And God miraculously provided a son for Abraham and his name was Isaac. And so after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, maybe it was Abraham. I don't know. I've never heard God's voice out loud, but it seems like it'd be more like Abraham. And he said, here am I. If you mark your Bible, if you're a highlighter or underliner, that, that phrase right there, here am I, that's worth underlining. This is the way that we ought to respond every time that God calls us, every time that we feel the Holy Spirit moving on our hearts. We say, here I am. I'm right here. I'm ready. Whatever, whatever the question is that you're going to ask of me, God, the answer is already yes. Right? What would it look like if we lived in that sort of a mindset of here I am, God, uh, I'm, I'm learning Italian, sto imparando italiano, uh, ma non parlo bene. So I'm going to keep talking in, in English. Uh, but one of the things I've learned in Italian is the phrase volentieri. I think this is maybe how this would, would translate here. Is, is, volentieri, here I am. I'm ready. I volunteer. And he said, the Lord said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. All right, pause. When we read that in our modern context, we're like, wait, hold up. That's weird. Right? Like God just provided this son, and then now he's telling him to, like, kill his son. This is strange, right? Hopefully this, is, hopefully this seems strange. And we're, we're at the beginning of the, the big story of God's redemption and the story of God's work among his people. And so we're learning what kind of God is God? What kind of God is this, this Yahweh that Abraham has made a covenant with? And so in, in, this, in this day and age, in this, in this ancient Near Eastern time period, people would have asked Abraham, what kind of God is your God? What kind of God? is your God. And every, every religion that Abraham would have encountered in his life and in that time period, every, every other God 
would have required child sacrifice. This was across across the, the, the situations, across the tribes, this was very prevalent in this day and age of sacrificing children or, 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 or things or making sacrifices of animals to idols in an attempt to earn the God's favor. And so we're learning the character of God, of what kind of God is Yahweh. And so Abraham, he hears God tell him to do this. And so he says, verse 3, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young, young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Do you see Abraham already here? He, he has faith. He's believing. He says, we will come back. He's obeying. He's saying, God, I'm going to do what you told me to do, but I know in my heart you've given me a promise, and I'm going to stand on your, you provided me this son, and you're able to provide in this situation now, but I'm going to obey you even though I don't understand everything that's happening. This is what faith looks like. We will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both went together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father, and he said, here am I, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, I love this, God will provide for himself the lamb. Say that with me. God will provide for himself the lamb. Now, for those of you that are familiar with the story of the Bible, for those of you that know how this book goes in the New Testament, for those of you that have a, a knowledge and a relationship with Jesus, your heart may be stirred a little bit here today when you say God will provide for himself a lamb. But we're getting ahead of our, ourselves here, so we'll, we'll wait. Don't, don't spoil the ending for those of you that, that know how it goes. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. And when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar, the altar there. And he laid the wood in order, and he bound his, his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now is the moment, and Abraham's heart is, I imagine his heart is breaking. There's probably tears streaming down his face as his his son, the son of the promise that God had given him, his hope and his future, he sees it laying here on the altar, and he's torn. But yet he reaches for the knife. Then Verse 10, Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to kill his son. 
But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And even in this moment, what does he say? He says, here I am. Here I am. Even in the middle of struggle, his response is always, here am I. And God said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went up and took the ram and offered it as burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord it shall be provided. So this story helps us understand what kind of God is this God? And what kind of people is he looking for to partner with him? What does he require? What does he do? Is your God kind or is he malicious? And Abraham, in his obedience to God, learns that God is in fact very very kind. He is a very good God. And instead of requiring the sacrifice of Abraham's son, he provides for himself a sacrifice. This is point number one that we can learn from this. Number one, if you're, if you're note takers, we've got three things that we can learn that God will provide. Number one, God will provide for himself a sacrifice. I love this about God. He is the God who provides for himself. He is not, I've heard it said that God is not broke and he's not cheap. He is great. He is mighty. He provides generously and abundantly. This is his character. Right? This helps us understand what it means. So then as we see all the mentions of, we're not gonna, we don't want to have time to go all the way through Scripture of this, but if you, if you walk through Scripture, you see time after time again, God being described as the God who provides for his people. And not only does he provide for his people, but out of providing for his people, the first, the first way that he provides is he provides for himself. He doesn't need you to provide for him. He provides for himself a sacrifice. He makes a way even when our sacrifices, our offerings are insufficient. You can try to impress God, I suppose, but at the end of the day, you and I are very small, and God is very great, and he provides for himself. And in providing for himself a sacrifice, the Lord also provides for you. This is the beautiful thing about God, is that when we understand God as the provider, he provides for himself, but even in his self-sufficiency, even in his making a way when our way is insufficient, he brings us in. He invites us into the story. He includes you and I, and he says, come, 
be my people. Come partner with me in the work that I'm doing in the world. This is what the story of Abraham, so much of it teaches us, is how to be the kind of person that God can partner with. And as you read Abraham, I encourage you to read this story maybe on your own time. There's, there's several chapters here in Genesis about the life of this man, Abraham. And over and over, we see illustrations in the life of Abraham of this is how to be the kind of person that God is looking for. I want to be the kind of person that God is looking for, don't you? So God provides for himself a sacrifice. And in providing for himself a sacrifice, the Lord also provides for you and for me salvation. Salvation. What do we mean by that? Let's look forward to John chapter 1, verse 29. John 1, 29. This is at the beginning of the, the life of Jesus, the story of Jesus. And we've got John the Baptist there uh, who is uh, proclaiming repentance to God's people, saying, Turn from your sins. Get, get right with God. God is doing a great and mighty and wonderful thing in your midst. And people are, are returning their hearts to God and being baptized. That's why they call him John the Baptist, because he was baptizing people in the Jordan River for the repentance of their sins. To turn away from repentance just simply means turn around. It's a, it's a Bible word, but we use it a lot. But sometimes we use, we use words in church sometimes that... Uh, our church words. Repentance is a Bible and a church word that just means you're going this way and you turn and now you go this way. So if you're walking in sin, doing wrong, sin is disobedience to God. You're walking in, in sin and wrongdoing. To repent is to turn around and say, I was going this way, but I saw where that way was, was going to take me to destruction. And now here there's life, here there's freedom, here there is forgiveness in God, and I'm going to go this way. Repentance, that's what that means. And John is preaching this gospel of repentance, and here comes Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 29. It says, the next day he, he being John, he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now John's hearers, his listeners, would have been very familiar with the Abraham story and this idea that God provides for himself a sacrifice. And so when John said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, there would have been an immediate connection in his listeners to the Abraham story. And they would say, wait, who is, who is this? And this is Jesus. And Jesus we're told in Scripture that he is the Son of God. And God sent his only Son, his Son, his only Son whom he loved. He did not withhold him. Is this sounding familiar? When God said to Abraham, I know that you have loved because you did not withhold your Son, your only Son. God is already writing the story even in the beginning of, of Abraham, he has a plan saying, this is how I work. This is what I am like. I'm the God who provides because I have a plan to send my son. Even as you did not withhold your son, I'm not going to withhold my son. And so he sent Jesus Christ who lived a perfect, sinless life. 
and then laid down his life in, in suffering death on the cross as the sacrifice once and for all to take our place. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the substitution where because of our sin, because of our disobedience to God, uh, the Bible says in Romans uh, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us has disobeyed God. And how are we going to be made right with God? God is going to provide for himself a sacrifice. That sacrifice was Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you and for I, but he didn't stay dead, praise God. Three days later, He rose again alive forevermore, and now he sits, ascended to heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father, making, the Bible says, intercession. He is making go-between. He is is making connection between. He's making intercession between God and man. Now we have access to God. Now we have forgiveness of sin. Now we have salvation because of Jesus Christ. Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, 14 says, for by a single offering. Does this look again like Abraham? Yes. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. What a caring and loving God this is. What a wonderful God that we serve. So when we ask the question of, Who is this God? What is your God like? We can understand that he is God the provider. And that means that he is the God who provides for himself and also for us. So when we say he is God the provider, it doesn't, sometimes we think of that as like maybe he gives us what we need. Which he does. But it's so much bigger and so much greater than God providing for our physical needs. Now, of course, if, if God cares about your eternal destiny and about the state of your soul, of course, he's also going to care that you are taken care of in the here and now. Salvation, the salvation of God, it includes the real here and now compassionate provision of God. And so when we have a need, we can go to him and we can say, God, I need help. And he is the God who helps. And we say, God, I have, I have need of your provision, God. For example, Jesus said in, in one of his, his sermons about, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Don't be anxious about it. Because if you understand the character of God, it says he sees Even the sparrows, there's not even a sparrow, a little bird that falls to the ground without God knowing about it. And how much more does God care about you than the birds of the air? One of the stories that that my family tells, uh, my my grandparents, my my grandma and grandpa, which, uh, hi, grandma. She watches my sermons online, so everybody say hi to Grandma Jan. My, my grandma Jan and, and, and grandpa uh, Jim, they were pastors. And one time they were pastors of a, a small church. And the offering that Sunday was very, very small. Just a few dollars. And the groceries 
in their pantry were also very, very small. So they needed groceries, they needed food, and they didn't have the money for the food. And Grandpa said to Grandma, he said, make a list. Make a list. A shopping. Why would I make a shopping list? We don't, with what money? He says, make a list and we'll pray. And so Grandma, she writes, you know, milk, eggs, bread, the things that she needs. And then just at the bottom, I, if, if you knew my Grandma Jan, you would, you would laugh at this with me because just sometimes she's, she's a, little, a, a little feisty, a, li, a little, uh, she, she's fun. And she puts at the bottom of the list, strawberries, ice cream, a couple of little luxury items that would have been, okay, if God's providing, well, if, if, if we're making a list, she says, if I'm making a list of things I can't afford, we might as well put some delicious things on the list, right? So she puts strawberries and ice cream on the bottom of the list. Now, they had to leave the house the next day for something, and they came back, and there on their porch, when they came back, at their front door were grocery bags. They never knew where they came from. But in those bags was every single thing that my grandma had written on her list, including vanilla ice cream and some fresh strawberries. So every time that I want to doubt maybe in my mind the provision of God, I remember that God is the God who provides for himself the sacrifice. He is the God who provides for himself but he's also the God who provides for us salvation. And he cares about you and I all the way down to the strawberries and ice cream. So if God is the God who will provide for himself a sacrifice and for you salvation, he's also the God who will provide for himself a people. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop at just, okay, the transactional forgiveness of sins. But it's, again, everything that you think about God, make it bigger. Make it more. And that will probably be a better understanding of who God really is. God is providing for himself a people. Look again at Genesis chapter 2, chapter 22, sorry. Verse 18, it says, And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Now, in this, he's prophetic, the Lord is prophetically talking not just about Isaac and Jacob and the following descendants of Abraham, but there is one specific offspring. Uh, th- this, this word in the, in the Hebrew offspring, it could be singular or plural. And, and this one is, uh, I believe it to be singular. In your offspring, one. Is he talking about Isaac? I don't think so. I think he's talking about one particular descendant of Abraham named Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, all the nations, all the people, everyone everywhere, not just 
the biological descendants not of, of Abraham, not just the, the, the Israelites, but all people everywhere, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you, Abraham, have obeyed my voice. God is providing for himself a people. Look at John chapter 12, verse 32. Jesus says this. He says, when I, when I am lifted up from the earth, predicting his death on the cross. He says, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He is providing for himself a people. What kind of God is your God? What kind of people does he look for? All. Whosoever will, the Lord says. For God gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, whoever, anyone, everywhere, whoever will believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God is making, providing for himself a people. Look at Galatians chapter 3 verse 8. Galatians 3 8 says, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, right? Not, Gentiles means non-Israelites. That's probably most of us here in, in the room today. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Again, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, the Lord says to his people, you are a chosen race, a, whole, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. He takes the scattered, broken people of the world and he makes us his own and he says, come to me by grace through faith. What kind of things do you have to do to earn your God's favor? You have to have faith and believe. And at the close of this message, there's going to be a time where we can say, yes, here am I. Where we say, have a chance to respond and, and when the voice of God calls us, right? What's the, what's the appropriate response when the Lord moves on our hearts. Here I am. Here am I. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God is providing for himself a people. And in God providing for himself a people, the Lord provides for you a place to belong. You're invited in. You're not a lonely, cast out stranger anymore, but even, let me, let me tell you, if this is one of your first times here at, at ICF Rome, this is a place for you to belong. These are people that care about you. These are people that are going to be welcoming to you. Aren't, and maybe you're new here, and you're like, man, I don't know if I'll be welcome here. The answer is yes. Yes, you will. I've only been here a couple of times, and I know that these are people of God. These are, are people that will give you a place to belong and care about you and help, uh, help you walk towards Jesus. 
Oh, that was a great place for all of my ICF longtime attenders to say yes. Come on. Let's try that again. ICF Rome is going to be a place that cares about you and gives you a place to belong. There we go. There we go. You got to back me up on that one, guys. God's providing for himself a people, and in God providing for himself a people, he's providing for you a place to belong. And the last thing, as the band comes and gets ready uh, to, to close uh, this message in a, in a song and in a time of prayer, God will provide for himself also messengers. God provides for himself a sacrifice, a people, and messengers. Look at Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 45. Luke 24:45 says, "Then he, he being Jesus, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He told them, "This is what is written: The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day." And that repentance and forgiveness of, of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to his disciples to empower them to be messengers. Acts 13 shows the story of the first international church. The very first international church was in Antioch. Now there were in the church in Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. When you look at the names of these, these are people from different parts of the world. People of different skin colors. People of different social classes. You've got diplomats and working class Men, and these, this is the leadership of the Antioch church. And out of this international church, verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them out. God is sending out messengers then and even now he is sending messengers. You and I are invited to be part of this story of God providing for himself sacrifice, people, messengers. And in doing so, he provides for us salvation, a place to belong, and he provides for us a mission. He's providing for himself messengers. But again, when God provides for himself, what does he do? He invites us to participate. And so we have an invitation to participate in the mission of God. And so maybe you're here this morning and you haven't received that salvation component. And when we close this service, there's going to be an opportunity for you to say, here am I to that receiving salvation that we're talking about. Maybe the Holy Spirit's already working on your heart and saying, God, thank, I believe that you provided a sacrifice for me. 
I want that salvation. Maybe in God providing for himself a people, you're realizing, man, I, I'm so glad that I have found a place to belong. And God, I want to, I want to take the next step of really serving and being a part of, of ICF Rome and, and getting more connected. There's an information table at the back and ways that, that uh, our, our leadership here will, will be happy to, to help you to do that. But uh, also the, the first step of finding a place to belong is purposing in your heart and saying, you know what, I feel like God is telling me that I need to make this my place to belong. And I want to say, here I am. Here I am. And God is providing for himself messengers to send out across the nation. He's saying, set apart for me. Maybe God is, is making you a messenger to your workplace or to your school or to your family or to your, to your life. Or even as Pastor Jen was talking about the faith promise cards, that's what we have an opportunity to be a part of. The mission of God is so much bigger than just you or me or any one church or even any one time in history. It's the, it's the story. In providing for himself messengers, the Lord provides for you a mission. I met a man in Milan a few months ago was walking in, my family and I, we were walking into the subway in one of the central areas of, of Milan, and as we begin to go down the, the metro, we call it metro here, subway is a very American term, not, not the sandwich shop, the metro. And as we're walking into the metro, down the stairs, we begin to hear music. And I think to myself, that, that sounds familiar. What's that song? And they're singing, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Wait a minute. I wasn't expecting to hear that in a Milan metro. And I come around the corner and they're saying, Jesus in my family, Jesus in the streets, Jesus over every... I don't remember the rest of the words of that song, but you know the song I'm talking about, right? I just want to speak the name of Jesus. And then they're singing, and it's loud. I mean, they've got the, the amp cranked all the way up, and they're singing... Jesus over, and just Jesus over everything, Jesus over every situation, Jesus. And I just remember that, I mean, I came around the corner and it was, Jesus for my family. And, the, and there's this group of people passionately praising Jesus. So we stopped and we're like, what, this is great. Like, and I, I began to talk to the, 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 it was a church group and I began to talk to the pastor and he says, you know, who are you? What are you doing? He says, well, I'm, I'm a missionary. I said, well, I'm, I'm a missionary too. Like, Great. So we, we kind of, you know, became friends after about 10 seconds. And I, he tells me his story. He says, years ago, a man came from New York City to the Philippines. And he came to my village in the Philippines and started a church. And that church grew and began to proclaim the gospel. And that's where I met Jesus because somebody was part of the mission of God. Because somebody sent somebody to tell somebody about Jesus. And I met Jesus Christ in that church because someone was sent and someone proclaimed the word. And now 
I am here in Milan as a missionary. So someone went from New York City to the Philippines and now someone is going from the Philippines to Italy. Where will the gospel travel next? Where will the mission take you and I? Where will you and I take the mission? The question isn't, are you called to be a missionary? No, no, no. The question is, how are you called to participate in the mission of God? Because every single follower of Jesus Christ is called and and required, instructed to participate in the mission of God. And we want to end with this question here. Let's stand together as, and ask ourselves this question from Romans. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, for everyone, say everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are, how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Lord, we thank you for your word to us today. Thank you that you provide for yourself a sacrifice. And in so doing, you provide for us salvation. Thank you that you provide for yourself a people. And in so doing, you provide for us a place to belong. Lord, thank you that you provide for yourself messengers. And in so doing, you provide for us a mission. And Lord, as we hear this message today, as we understand you to be God, the God who provides, as you call, Lord, may our answer be, here I am. Here I am. I wonder if there's anybody here today that you would want to say with an uplifted hand, here I am. Maybe to one of those three things you're saying, I want to receive that salvation that God is providing. I want to receive that place to belong that God is providing. I want to participate in the mission that God is providing. If that's you, the Lord is stirring your heart in any one of those three areas. Would you signify that with an uplifted hand here today? Just go ahead and raise that, that hand up high. Yes, yes, there's many, many here today that God is stirring our hearts. Lord, I pray for my friends that are saying, here I am. Here we are, Lord. Your an our answer is yes to you. When you stir our hearts, when your word comes to bear on our lives, Lord, we say, here I am. Lord, I want to be the kind of person that you can partner with. I want to be like Abraham, full of faith, not withholding anything from you. You have my heart. Lord, I repent of my sins. I turn away. Maybe, that's, maybe this is the prayer that you're praying this morning. God, I, I want to receive salvation. I repent of my sins and I receive that salvation in Jesus Christ. Begin to pray that in your heart even now. There will be people at the close of this service that will be happy to pray with you further on these things if that would be so desired. The band is going to 
lead us in a song here in a time of in a time of prayer as we as we close but let's all say one time together out loud here i am can we do that here i am amen wow the lord is faithful to his children as you have listened to the message today i pray that you hear the lord saying i know you I've called you by name, and I'm working on your behalf. I invite you right now to say this prayer with me, to make Jesus Lord over all. Maybe there's something in your life today that has caused you turmoil, that has put questions or doubts in your mind. You know, the Bible says he's as close as the mention of his name. In this season, we celebrate Jesus, the name that's above every other name. So pray this prayer with me right now and ask Jesus to help you. He's with you. You are not alone. I want to say it again. You are not alone. So Father, we thank you right now. I'm going to pray this prayer and you're going to pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, you say it. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life, to take over every concern I have, Forgive me for those moments when I have doubted or don't trust. Be the Lord over all. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I say yes to you. I'm all yours from this moment forward. By the power of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for hearing this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to encourage you, if you have said this prayer, send me an email, write us, join us on campus when you get to Rome, because I know that God has something for you, and I know that you need to know you're not going to do life alone. I also feel very impressed today as I pray for you for the needs in your life. I know that during the, the winter months, there's lots of different emotions that come about. And I want you to know today, the Lord is with you. The Lord is for you. He said his name is Emmanuel, God with us. And so today, I want to pray for your miracle. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would heal the broken heart, that you would restore the wounded mind, that you would be Jehovah Jireh for the one who has needs financially. God, you have shown us this year that we are the living proof that God is at work in us and through us. So right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, across the airwaves, wherever you're watching from, I am praying right now for your miracle in motion. I want you to say, I believe. I believe that God is with you. I believe that God is for you. And I believe that he has brought you to this family of faith, not only online, but wherever you are, that you would know. I have people who write me and I'm praying right now that you'll be one of those ones who said, I found new hope, new life, new purpose as I join together in prayer with Pastor Jen and all of those at ICF Rome. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your online giving. I thank you that you are sowing seeds. You are sowing gratefulness to God for all that he's done and doing. This has been an amazing year of living proof. And today, as we think about, we're getting ready to go into a new year before we know it. I want you to know God is with you. 
God is for you. You're not alone. Your miracle is in motion. I love you. We love you. And most importantly, Jesus loves you. So go out there, walk for him, shine for him, and believe that he's got a miracle for you.